Welcome to the Plans and Provisions Podcast, your source for homesteading and preparedness information and inspiration. We're so glad you're here. We'll be talking with some incredible folks, sharing ideas, and learning what we can do to become more independent and resilient in these interesting times. Now here's your host, Jason White. Many of us in the homesteading movement are making major life changes as we work toward a simpler but not necessarily easier way of life. It takes great courage to step away from the security and familiarity of convention into a world that is, for many of us, unfamiliar. The promise of a better life drives us into that new world, and the challenges we face are met with the determination to truly live the dream we have for ourselves and our families. My guest today is someone who, just three years ago, took that leap with his family into the world of homesteading. Leaving behind a mainstream suburban life and a couple of corporate careers, Greg Sweeten and his wife, Laura, stepped out to carve out a new way of living for their family. They faced the new challenges of homestead living head-on and in just a few short years have developed systems of abundance for their family and the community that they live in. In our conversation, Greg shares how a desire for better health lit the spark for the move towards the homestead way of life. He talks about some of the early struggles to adjust and how, through developing side hustles, he and his wife have built a successful and growing coffee business. We get into the joys of moving children out to the country, as well as the philosophy of planning your homestead around a seasonal diet. Hey, Greg, thanks for joining me for the podcast. Hey, Jason. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to have you. Um... So I wanted to have you on and just just kind of share your story. I think it's a pretty interesting story. I've been following you you guys for a little bit on on uh, Instagram and just kind of watching the things that you're doing. And to be honest, I mean, I think you guys have been at it about three years. We're in our first year here on the homestead that we've just started, and you're you're kind of where I want to be in three years in a lot of ways. Um, so that's it's kind of exciting to see. Somebody that's local to me because you're you're within about an hour of our of our property. So, um, yeah, it's kind of cool to see. And I I wonder if you could just kind of share, just for context, kind of what you guys have going on there on the farm and um, what exactly you're doing there at True North Farm. I appreciate it, Jason. It, um, it it's been awesome, and I'll just say that it's exciting to be able to do that uh, to hopefully inspire others. Uh, because we, you know, had others inspired us. So it's kind of cool to, to be able to pass that along to kind of help others out now and kind of be, I mean, we're still learning every day, but, um, but I enjoy that. Um, we, uh, so we have a little 10 acre place, um, just North of kind of a midsize town in Missouri. And, uh, it's, it's far from perfect, but you know, we, um, what we like about it is that we could walk around this place and kind of see the different things that we wanted to do. Um, and we do a little bit of most things we have. Uh, so about two to three acres is um, pretty open. I would call it, um, you know, pasture and then the rest of it's wooded. So uh, we knew that we wanted to run some hogs. And so I think they do great in the woods. That's something that, that we learned and really, we're shooting for so um, we do some hogs 
um, let's see, we've got, of course, chickens, and we pretty much free-range those guys, and we've got ducks and chickens, so we do those both for eggs. We do um, a few batches of Cornish Cross every year, and we kind of do a rotational grazing thing. Uh, we have a, a small uh, flock of sheep, hair sheep, they're a Katahdin Dorper Cross, and we kind of use those for pasture management, and so we kind of do this little merry-go-round around the pasture. Uh, the sheep lead the way, and then we kind of run our Cornish cross in kind of a day-range system uh, behind them. So just to kind of paint that picture, if you're familiar with um, Justin Rhodes' uh, meat shaw, we use that in uh, an electric netting um, setup, and that has worked really well for us. So um, let's see what else. We uh, just recently got into some rabbits. We have some New Zealand whites that my son has uh, gotten into for a 4-H project. So, uh, And then we lease 10 acres across the road, and we have a few Dexter, the small dual-purpose uh, cattle um, that we just recently have kind of gotten into. So that's kind of um, our setup. Like I said, we little do a little bit of um, a, a lot, but, uh, <laughs> um, you know, kind of went against, against the advice of, you know, start with one thing and get that down really good. We kind of wanted to, we're getting a bit of a late start in life on this. Um, and so we kind of wanted to jump in and, and dabble and kind of figure out what, what we liked, what we didn't like. We didn't want to waste a bunch of time. So that is kind of, kind of our setup. Um, and as far as the, uh, you know, how we got here, uh, it, it is a really pretty cool story. And I've kind of always shied away from, from telling that, um, but realized that, that really I'm, I, I kind of needed to get over that because it, it really, like I said, it's just a pretty cool story. So we, going back to kind of childhood, I, I grew up very kind of mainstream, uh, suburban city kid. Um, you know, no aspirations of, I, w I wasn't an outdoorsy guy, really. I played sports, but you know, if I was outside, I had a, had a ball in my hands, but, uh, wasn't really an outdoorsy kid or anything like that. My wife, um, pretty much the same thing, um, as far as just our, um, kind of mainstream lifestyle, um, if you want to put it that way. And, um, when we met and got married, we, Early on in our, our marriage, we started dealing with some health issues. Our family uh, started dealing with some health, health issues kind of on both sides. And I think it just made a big impact on us, um, you know, just to, to be a little more, um, try to be a good steward um, of these uh, bodies that, that we've been given. And, and um, you know, I, we felt very blessed that we had healthy, able bodies and just wanted to do the best to kind of, kind of, you know, keep them that way. And so we, we really over the years, uh, and this is before kids kind of, um, experimented with different types of, um, different diets. Um, and I mean, kind of all over the place with that. And, um, kind of long story short, we ended up kind of going towards a keto diet, and 
Uh, and by then, that's when we had had kids. Uh, and we ourselves, getting older, started dealing with some not, not serious health issues, but kind of those everyday ailments that we all kind of start to deal with when we get into our our 30s and, and 40s. And, you know, it just, you, you kind of hit that age and <laughs> those little things start kind of creeping in. And um, like I said, nothing serious, but... Um, I was I was intrigued. I started listening to some podcasts on on some of this stuff, and realized that it wasn't just the major you know um, life changing health issues that we uh, th- that were really tied to diet. It was these little everyday ailments, um, just those little nagging things that we were told that you know are genetic or tied to this or that. And maybe they are, maybe there aren't. There is a, obviously a genetic component, but we realized how powerful what we put in our body um, really is. And so, uh, so we kind of got into a keto diet, and always before anything we tried, um, you know, we'd do it for a while, just, but it just didn't feel sustainable. You know, it's just, um, I, I, we'd always kind of end up back where we were, and you know, which was not very good, <laughs> um, kind of the standard American diet. And uh, this was the only thing, once we kind of got over that hump, and I don't know how familiar, um, or, or, you know, your, your listeners or yourself, like with the keto diet, but it, it definitely, you go through a, a little period where it's, it's pretty rough. Uh, but then once you get on the other side of that, literally a switch gets flipped, um, and we just started really seeing a lot of changes. And I think this goes beyond physical health, by the way, mental health, um, just the, the whole, the whole thing. Um, and so really started seeing some very, very good things that, that were, you know, it wasn't like a lot of diets where you see that pretty, pretty early on, you see, you know, weight loss or something like that. And then you sort of tend to plateau. This was like, months and even years after we made this change and stuck to it pretty closely that we, uh, that we, um, we you know, we're seeing these, these positive effects. So I, I was definitely a believer of that. And, um, anyway, so that's kind of, we definitely, you know, started down this path. It was kind of a health thing. Um, it really ended up being a lot deeper than just, kind of the physical health. Um, and, and, you know, I could talk about that, but, um, but that's really kind of how we started. We, we had some backyard chickens, uh, in our city, you could have six. We had some friends who had them and we thought, Oh, that's kind of cool. They have chickens. So we got some, and uh, you know, the joke is that the chicken is kind of the gateway animal and (laughs) absolutely is. (laughs) It's true. You know, and that's where we started. We just had our backyard chickens and, you know, a few eggs a day and, and we just kind of wanted more of that. So we started driving around. Um, actually, by then, I had kind of segued into some, you know, I kind of came at it from the new health and nutrition uh, content, podcast, that type of thing. And then it really, there was this kind of key point where I had, um, there, there's one podcast that had a guest on and I thought, uh, yeah, I know, I know this name. I know this guy's voice. Well, it turned out it was Joel Salatin. Um, 
and so I had remembered him years ago from uh, the, the film Food, Inc., uh, mm-hmm. which that's dating me a bit now, but um, <laughs> such an important movie um, and really opened our eyes all those years ago. But uh, anyway, uh, Joel was on there, and he just is absolutely, um, uh, I don't know, just kind of blew me away with his... his um, now, he's just very poetic when he talks about um, talks about his life and what he does and everything, and it just that really sent me down the rabbit hole of, you know, why can't we do this? Like we we don't have a background in in farming or anything like that, but it's got to start somewhere. And uh, we had a local CSA we got involved with, and that encouraged me because this guy that had this little family farm, uh, and they mostly, they were vegetable uh, farmers primarily, but he had this uh, really cool, you know, kind of open door thing on his farm where anybody could drop by. They had pizza nights and things like that. that I just really loved that, and I loved that he was kind of a city kid like I was. And, um, you know, so it showed me that at that time I didn't remember thinking, well, gosh, this is what I want to do. But, um, but that definitely planted a seed. So then years later, it it just hit me like, why not? And I saw our kids natural interest in taking care of these chickens and having a garden and all this stuff. And it's just, um, feel very fortunate, but we kind of made that leap before, um, you know, all the craziness of the last couple of years. I think our friends who kind of thought we were a little out there looked at us later. They're like, Oh, well, maybe, maybe, uh, it wasn't such a crazy thing that they did. But anyway, yeah, we yeah. Found, found this place and, and we're, it's a lot of work and we're making a lot of mistakes and everything, but we, uh, we love it and, um, and just want to really pay that, um, to, kind of pay that forward and and bless others with it so yeah i think i think that's what that's what this is all about really i mean i I, like you said joel salatin and you're not alone i mean the guy is poetic he's he's lived a unique life in that he grew up on that property and grew up farming and has had you know decades of experimentation and 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 just devotion to the craft of farming but I mean, he, he, he's been blessed with the ability not only to learn and develop new things and new designs and improve things, but just to reach people. Yeah. I mean, I, I just reread Pastured Poultry Prophets mm-hmm. because we're, we're hoping to get into a little bit more of that next year. Um, and I'm, I'm laughing and I'm stirred up and I'm telling my wife, I'm like, man, you gotta read, you gotta read this. It's, it's a farming book, but it's just so, I mean, it's. It's it's math and it's science and it's um, but just the he has just a way with words. But like you said, paying it forward. I mean, that's that's why I do this podcast. It's just to try to encourage people, you know, um, because many, I would assume, uh, both you and I and and many others that I know, this is a new this is a new life. Yeah. You know, we're all motivated for for different reasons, and um, but but we've we're we're stepping out. I mean, it's a, it's an act of faith and Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're literally putting our money, our families, our lives, um, where our mouth is. And, and oftentimes the people around us don't 
quite get it. Yeah. Maybe they get a little bit better these days, like you mentioned with with uh, you know the state of state of things right now. But, um, but yeah, I could definitely relate to that. So yeah. I mean, you had said that, and I and I can also relate to this as well because we got a little bit later start ourselves. But um, the idea that yeah, start with one thing, yeah, and you know master that and move forward. And we we. You know, our history, we, we spent a fair amount of time living on farms and helping other homesteaders back in Oregon. And um, so we had a fair amount of experience with chickens yeah. and poultry in general, raising for eggs, um, raising for meat. So that was something that wasn't, wasn't much of a learning curve for us. So we jumped right into chickens and then we jumped into rabbits. And now we've got a couple of beef steers. And so we've... We've moved pretty quickly too here yeah. in the first nine ten months, um, and I guess I mean like I said, in three years you guys have done done quite a bit. It seems like you're you're definitely on a roll and you've got things working. I, I guess what can you say to that? I mean, has there been has there been some specific challenges? Have you been overwhelmed just trying to make all those different pieces of the puzzle fit together? That's a great question. I mean, definitely times where I think we feel overwhelmed. Um, you know, when things go wrong, you tend to <laughs> feel overwhelmed. And then there's other days where it just, you kind of have to pinch yourself cause you're just, um, you know, walking around. I, I, we love my wife and I do morning chores together and it's just, uh, it's a great way to start the day. But, um, I, I think it goes back and forth. Uh, just when I, um, I feel like things are going really well. I mean, this tends to happen this way, you know, it's like, wow, this, this is really kind of coming together. And then you'll have something where, where, you know, maybe the sheep break loose or something like that. And it kind of brings you back down to earth a little bit and it's humbling. Um, I, I would say my, my advice for that is I tend to think maybe it is better just to kind of jump in, um, just be prepared that, um, I think one thing that I really had to work on with myself was um, a lot of this perfectionism um, that we are kind of plays on us. And that's kind of, you know, the, the world most of us grew up in is just, um, you know, kind of that all or nothing attitude and the perfectionism and just getting over that and, and just prepare yourself that some, it's going to, something's going to go wrong. Um, and, and just rolling with that. So I had to really, it's something I really had to work on, uh, because I was, I was very uptight and it reminds me of like, you know, how, when you go on vacation, you kind of go, you get away. It takes a little bit to decompress. I don't know about you, but you know, that first Mm -hmm. day it's just to get, you wouldn't think it'd be so hard to relax, but sometimes it, it, it takes a little bit to kind of decompress. And finally you feel like, okay, I can, I could forget about all that stuff. And it's, it's like, it's like that, but, um, on a, you know, times a thousand when, when you're going from, cause you're, if you think about it, you're going from all those years of being told, you know, kind of prescribed, this is, this is the lifestyle. This is what you, um, how things should go. And then you're, you're kind of turning that on its head in a way by, by doing this type of thing. Um, but it takes a while for you to kind of unlearn that or, or, mm. um, you know, kind of get that, 
clear out that that old programming. I mean, I hate yeah. to use that that no, word that's a good like point. that. I, but. I can totally relate to that being kind of in our first year, and yeah. and there's there is there is programming. I mean, it's 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 just it's socialization, it's standardization, it's 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 culture, you know. And and when you step out to do this, you you you're going against a lot. You're really going against the grain and we're social creatures. And, you know, I think that, yeah, I think that's a good point. I think it's uh there's a real transition to that. Well, one thing I kind of left out of the story, you know, as far as my background uh, professionally and, and people might be wondering. So my wife and I both came from the corporate world. Um, I uh, worked in kind of the accounting finance um, area and, and so there, a lot of it was kind of, you know, especially coming from the business world. And my wife, she worked in uh, insurance. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's been a, a huge adjustment to self-employment. But that's, um, like I said, it's just been such a big transition. And, and when I use a word like program, I'm not even say whether I'm not saying whether it's purposeful or not. I'm not saying whether it's for, uh, for our good or not. It's, but it is mm-hmm. what it is. You know, yeah. it doesn't even it's the matter. Way it's received. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's just, it's kind of this be- best practices mentality. And I'm not saying that that's not good to share these things, but context uh, really matters a lot. And so I can tell you that, you know, this is how you raise chickens. Um, well, that works for me in my context. Um, and maybe that is kind of a best practice chicken tractors, you know, that, that tends to be the sort of the standard and that works very well, but, um, we kind of like the day range system and, um, you know, that has its downsides too, but, um, but anyway, I guess I'm just trying to encourage others to definitely gather information. Um, you know, uh, I our system, we tend to take a little bit from, I mean, Justin Rhodes, he, he's been such a great inspiration to us. And I built the chick shaw and I built the meat shaw. And, and you know, those are just fantastic designs. And, and I like, I, I, he's just such a likable guy. Um but you know, we don't do everything the way Justin does. And certainly, and you have to take into consideration, you know, what part of the country and what the weather's like and the climate, all of that. So, uh, I'm just saying that do what you think is best, do your homework, you know, and implement those. But sometimes it's kind of a mashup of those different systems, or it might be your own, um, take on, on something, but, um, you know, that's kind of my encouragement is to, to try stuff, to, to learn to be okay with messing up. That's something that was really hard for me. Again, back to the perfectionist Mm -hmm. thing, like a lot of times that, um, it kind of, it, it creates an environment for inaction. Um, and, and that's one thing I had to really work on is just, you know, make a decision, get in there, try something, mess up, you know, go back to the drawing board, so to speak. And, and so let's, let's get away from that pressure we put on ourselves of, of, of doing everything right the first time. And, you know, it's sad when you, 
when you lose an animal or an animal gets sick or something like that, and you kind of tend to blame yourself, blame yourself, but, um, but that's part of it. You know, it is a huge, huge adjustment, but that is absolutely something that, you know, it's just part of it. Yeah. I mean, livestock, um, can be dead stock. I mean, um, yeah, I, something that you, a couple of things that you said there, and I think is a really good point and something that we, we kind of realized pretty early on as we were doing a lot of our planning. Cause I, I've definitely found, and I know I, I follow Justin Rhodes as well. And he referenced somebody that, you know, in, influenced him that basically it's a lot easier to make mistakes on paper than it is in real life, especially when it comes to to dealing with livestock and, and, and long-term, you know, plantings and things like that. But, um, just that perfectionism and that perfectionism comes from, you know, really in my experience and kind of like what you're saying on one hand, pride, I don't want to make mistakes. I don't want to look a fool. I like to be successful at everything I do. I don't want to make mistakes. So, you know, perfection is kind of the worst, can be the worst form of procrastination, I think, but also, the concept of idealism. Um, okay, this is how Joel Salatin does it. This is how Justin Rhodes does it. This is how Greg Judy does it. Or I read a book here, I read a book there. And, you know, like you said, not, you know, for us right now, really resources, financial resources keeps us pretty limited. Yeah, we wanted to build a, a chick shaw and, and have the the premier one netting around. And, and, and there's a lot of things that we we're like, this is how it has to be done after months and months of studying and videos and reading and, and realizing, wait a minute, we don't have to do it that way. That's not our context right now. And we don't, we don't need to do it that way. Will we do it at some point? Likely. But I think for everybody, like you said, there's that, um, there's that pride. There's you, you, you can't get stuck on an ideal and, but you just have to look at your context and, and, well, take a little bit from everybody, and and the bottom line is: Are you moving forward? And I think most importantly, are you enjoying it? Absolutely. You know? Yeah. No. You when know? it becomes work, you start um, resenting it, and that's what I. You know, when we came out here, I really had it in mind to maybe go into full time, you know, uh, commercial scale farming, and I don't know that there's anything. Um, to your point, what I love about it is that it does include all those things. Like you mentioned, there's math, there's, I mean, you're wearing all the hats when you're doing this. And I love that actually. My, I learned about my uh, personality years ago that, um, I didn't like necessarily the compartmentalization that we've done and it sort of gets into that, you know, industrialization, you know, this, everything is siloed and that's what we, this, um, lifestyle that we're sort of sold and and i really call it more like life simulation to me what what we're doing now is we're trying to do life and and what we were doing before was really just trying to simulate that you know so um and i'm not trying to like make anyone feel bad or or anything like that i'm trying to to encourage and just say you know don't let that be good enough if that's not what you feel like um if it's not fulfilling you know, you, you should want to, to get beyond that, you know, so that, that's my bit of encouragement. But to your point, um, that's what I love about this is being able to, it's constant problem solving. Um, 
and and I do like that. I've learned to embrace that. At first, it, it can feel a little, a little daunting. Um, it just feels like, you know, you, you never get a break from it. But I think that um, you just have to persevere and, and learn to to roll with that. But uh, but yeah, absolutely. It's it's um, you know my my other bit of advice. Um, one thing I, I try to tell others is we have this really bad habit as humans. And I learned this. I did, uh, I kind of dabbled in some graphic design and, uh, I was taking a class way back when. And, and I had this teacher that pointed out how I had, and it wasn't just me, but everyone kind of, we have this habit of, you know, you're solving a problem. That's what graphic design is. You know, you're, uh, it's a visual um, communication thing that you're trying to, you know, convey a message, but there's this habit of, you know, you go through this brainstorming phase and you kind of a concept you're trying to come up, you know, with a concept and you have a tendency to go with that first good solution that you kind of fall in love with instantly. And he really pushed me to kind of that's good. Set that one aside. Maybe that's your front runner, but move beyond that, like fully explore what's, um, what's out there. And inevitably, inevitably, um, I, I would come up with something I like better. Mm. And so I think that's something that I would apply to this, something I learned back then. I kind of forgot about it. And then I've learned as we've been doing this is, um, that bad habit we have of, kind of thinking within the confines of these constructs we just are really putting on ourselves, you know? Um, and, uh, I mean, that sounds kind of woo woo, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just, um, yeah. being aware that we all have that habit of just seeing what is and just kind of our own expectations of ourselves. And, uh, I mean, we serve a big God. Uh, and, and so that, that's what I would say is we, uh, we just, that's something I've really, really struggled with. And we have to, um, we have to work on, on ourselves. So that's just, I just wanted to get that out there because that's something that took me a long time to figure out. I mean, we've been at this almost, you know, like you said, three years now, and it's still something I struggle with every day. Um, you know, and it's a growth, it's a growth thing. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's well said. I I think it goes back to even what we were kind of just talking about. I mean, there, you, it's a, it's just the need for the human mind to make a quick decision, to understand something based on what they already have seen. Um, I mean, any any task or any project around this property so far. I mean, we've we've worked in circles in our mind around it to find kind of that. Hey, I like this idea. Like, I'm designing a chicken tractor right now, and you know, I tend to build and design roughly at the same time. You know, I'll come up with. <laughs> I a, do <it> too. <laughs> you know, I'll work circles to come up with the basics and then the finer details. So I'm currently working circles around certain details, and yeah, it's frustrating sometimes because you know if if i just slapped it together and just stuck with a design or found something online that i'm just going to follow this it, it would be easier in some ways but i think 
I think that um, part of this lifestyle is becoming a producer, not just a consumer. And with that, it, I mean, that's that's a huge responsibility. But that, like you said, we serve a big God. And, and I think that, you know, being made in his image, you know, we have the ability to create. And, and, and I think that that's something that is easy to, to take for granted. And, um, but with that, I mean, we're, we're not a big God, so <laughs> we've got a small mind and yeah. we've got to work, work around that. But yeah, I think that's, no, I think that's a good point. Uh, my kids, I mentioned my kids and my wife, uh, they're such a big inspiration for me. I think kids have a way of doing that. If we watch them, we can really learn from them the way they, you know, the way they attack a project. And you just made me think of my son. He has, he loves working with his hands. And he, the other day he was, I forget what he was making, but he said, dad, I'm just going to wing it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I love that attitude. I love that, you know, um, and, and he has that. And I didn't as a kid, I was a very cautious kid. And, you know, uh, now whether that's a personality thing or whether that's just sort of, we're, you know, um, you know, we are a product of our environment, so we could have mm. that debate. But anyway, uh, for whatever yeah. the reason, you know, that's, that's something that, um, it's a, such a huge part. And, and I think, um, you know, the kids, uh, seeing them, the, their natural curio- curiosity and their natural, uh, the way they absorb this stuff. And I truly like my daughter, she is, like a, a walking encyclopedia um, for, for a lot of this <laughs> stuff. And I literally, she's 13 now. I'll go to her sometimes. I'm like, you know, look at this chicken. What do you think's wrong? You know, it's just, and I love that. And they feel a part of it. And um, I mean, it's such an awesome thing. I'd, I'd love to see more people. We love having people out. Um, and I don't know if we're planting any seeds or anything, but I, I hope so. I hope, you know, we can, do that for others. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, as we get older, I think there's a tendency for those things to kind of creep in and we put those restraints on and we put those, um, you know, we become more, um, inhibited, I guess. Is that the word uninhibited? Anyway, we need to become more, uh, uninhibited. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's what this is in a lot of ways. I think that, and I haven't put a lot of thought into this, but I think that that's what a lot of this kind of homesteading movement is about is, is just kind of breaking it out of, um, without getting too, you know, woo woo, as you said, <laughs> but like just getting out of some of these, these constructs and these, these, these boxes and limitations. And, um, you know, it's, it's an adventure. But it's it's also you know like you kind of mentioned before I think it's it's new and it's it takes some time to kind of readjust some from some of that just kind of instilled ways of thinking and ways of living and um, I like that you, you you kind of mentioned the kids and and their experience with it and I know that for for us and I'm sure many including you and your wife i mean a big part of why we're doing this is for the kids and for future generations mm-hmm. and to you know give them experiences that you know we didn't get i mean i grew up in the suburbs yeah. very standard life <clears throat> um really nothing surprising about it 
um, never really involved in farming or, or really knew where my food came from. And, and once I hit adult life, I, um, I just started seeking out, you know, seeking out where, where my food came from. I was just so crazy about the source uh, and how things were. And I'm like, isn't this cool? And people are like, not really. I'm like, okay, well, I'm really interested in it. But I think that, you know, for us, this is so much about our kids and the, you know, the challenges that we face and the struggles and the, and the changing it, you know, we're in our four, early 40s, um, making these huge changes is, I mean, it's hard, you know, it is a challenge yeah. and we love it. And right. this is, this is something we wanted to do for ourselves. So it's not totally selfless, but um, I mean, how have your kids really adapted? Has it all been positive? Have there been any kind of negative um, challenges or did they have a tough transition or how, how'd that look? Honestly, I, I'm trying to think of, you know, my, my mind jumps to, you know, what negative things there might be. I, I don't, I was worried about, like I said before, we, you know, had lived in the neighborhood and their kids running around and everything. I was worried, a little worried about that. And that's what people, I think we need to get away from, uh, just, uh, you know, there's kind of this stigma and then the fact that we homeschool our kids, like, are they getting socialized and, mm-hmm. and all that? I think sometimes we repeat those things and perpetuate them just cause we've heard them when we don't know, we haven't experienced it firsthand. I knew plenty of awkward kids and I, I grew up in public school, you know, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, um, but <laughs> what anyway, was that? what was their excuse? That's right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think that I, I was worried about that. Um, first of all, they are best friends. They're 13 and 11. My daughter's 13, son is 11. Um, and, um, so, I mean, they're, they're best friends. And so they have each other and we have make opportunities for other families to come out, whether they were friends before or new friends. Uh, actually I'm looking out the window and we've got some, uh, people over right now and they're running around with their kids. So, um, I was worried about that. And I was also worried about, are they going to grow out of this? If that makes sense. Like, are they going to, you know, my daughter's 13. So the joke is, you know, like now she has this attitude and everything, but you know, she absolutely doesn't. But you know, I mean, is she going to get to a point and get tired of this? And are they going to kind of, um, rebel or, or whatever word you want to use, you know, are they going to just, uh, there have been, I can't think of any negatives. They had, they're, they're thriving. Uh, they really are. Um, they love it. And I ask them all the time. I check in with them. I'm like, you guys like this. Do you want to, do you want to go back to the city? No, no. You know, um, <laughs> they really do love it. Uh, now I'm not saying like, I don't know if all kids would feel that way. I, I feel like obviously the earlier, the better. Although, I think back, sometimes I think, man, why didn't we do this earlier? I think it would have been been tough with the little ones. You worry about them more wandering, you know, into a place they could get hurt, that kind of a thing. So really the timing, it worked out very good for us, um, even though they were older. And I just, I look at my daughter, and I'm like, man, in a few years, she's just going to be doing her own thing. But um, anyway, no, it's it's been all, I can't really think of any, negatives. Um, I, I, I sometimes worry, like, are we somehow limiting them? Um, you know, their experiences, that type of thing, because as you know, as your 
finding out, I guess, you're kind of tied to the place. And so we try to, to you know, go out and, and do other things, get off the farm. Um, but what I'm finding is those things that you feel like are, are a sacrifice. Oh, we can't do this. We can't do that. We've got to be home at dark because the chickens won't, you know, we don't have an automatic door and they'll, you know, they'll get eaten and stuff like that. Um, those things that we thought were sacrifices aren't really, we're not really feeling like we're missing out on much, you know, it's like, it's sacrificing. And if I can make this analogy of like the food comparison, like it's like cutting out junk food. It absolutely feels like a sacrifice. And I, I'm telling you, I ate terrible before my wife, you know, um, and it feels like a sacrifice when you cut that stuff out and your body wants it, you crave it. And, and you kind of like, you know, you get kind of cranky about it and everything. It initially feels like a sacrifice. And then you get down the road a little bit and you look back and you're like, I wasn't really missing a whole lot. So I guess my point is it's kind of a quality over quantity thing. Um, you know, those kids that your, your kids might be running around the neighborhood with, uh, you know, I'm not saying my kids are perfect, but maybe they're not kids that I want them hanging around, you know, you Um, didn't, you didn't choose them. It's just location. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's a really long, I like the way you put that. No, I like the way you put that, the junk food. And, And we were going through, you know, our first year here and yeah, the kids, the kids thing, what I miss what is uh you know i taught my daughter how to ride uh got her her first bike the last year we were there and we we had a a creek i mean in arizona in the in the valley it's a dry wash but um um and there was a bike trail and um golf course and so we you know we'd go for bike rides and it was really you know safe and fun and that was a, a nice way for her to spend and i to spend time together you know, we're not going to go riding our bikes yeah. down the country highway here. It's just too dangerous. Absolutely. So I, I do miss that. Um, but I, I think that it's an adjustment, but yeah. I don't really miss much else. I mean, certainly some of the conveniences. Oh, yeah. I mean, like you said, getting off the farm, it's, um, I think you're a little closer in to the, to, to the, to the town. Right. We're, we're a little further out. So it's a commitment, but, um, now you're, you're exactly I, you know, like right. I, like you said, you you ask your kids, and and I I've asked my my oldest. I have a seven year old and two three year olds, um, and just kind of checked it with checked in with her a few few months ago. Like, so how do you like this? Because we always promised her a farm, and we didn't know if we were going to get it, but we ended up getting it. How do you like this? You know, what what do you think? You know, would you want to move back? She's ab- absolutely not. And you know, when this was probably six months ago. She ran in the house crying because I was basically forcing her to catch a chicken. Like, no, she's afraid. I'm like, just just catch the chicken. And I forget. It was some very light disincentive. Like, well, if you don't catch the chicken, I don't know. I'll give you a cookie. I don't, I forget. what It wasn't anything big. You know, just trying to get her to mo- motivate her. Just, just overcome your fear. Catch the chicken. She runs in crying. Now, I mean, she can tell you every breed we've got, all the different details. She's out there. She's got names for them. She knows all their routines. She makes sure they're fed and watered and, and that we close them up and she's carrying them around. And so it's, um, it's just cool to see that transition. Um, and, 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 and with homeschooling too, I mean, it's just, 
that's probably the one of the coolest things about what we're doing here is 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 the homeschooling element and we have this opportunity to teach so many different things because we're doing so much you know i'm sure you can relate to that absolutely yeah we uh, every day we kind of i mean so many times throughout the day and i wonder how would these opportunities happen before where we can stop and have little talks and uh and gosh witness to our own kids you know um and we're very fortunate and, um, you know, to be able to do that. And I know that's not necessarily, uh, something that everyone can do. Um, but yeah, all those little things that pop up through the day. And I just like, I always think that that is part of this, you know, that is part of this homeschool thing. It's not, uh, you know, part of the curriculum, we didn't plan that out. Okay, we're going to do math, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to have um, the. You know, it just comes up very naturally, organically, like in the moment. And a lot of that comes down to time. And that's one thing I was thinking about with what you're saying. I can relate to the bike thing. I remember when we, my son had this little, I forget what it was called, the green machine or something like that. It's one of these things that's like a three wheel type thing, like a like a big. Are you old enough to remember the big wheels, you know, that had, oh, yeah. Yeah. so it's kind of like, you know, a, a souped up version of that. And we had that and he used to, the thing is, is he was kind of too small for it when we had it for him in town where he mm-hmm. could actually ride it, you know, down, we lived on a cul-de-sac. He couldn't really reach the pedals, but we got it here and that thing sat there for a while and we moved it around as always in the way. And I felt bad because I'm like, okay, now he's big enough to ride this thing, but like, we don't really have a great place. This doesn't work on... <laughs> This doesn't really work. Grass, yeah. Not built for off road, and I don't want him on yeah. the on the farm road or anything like that. But um, but then I got over that because I thought, you know, it's so hard because we are we do live in kind of this consumer society, and I am one of the worst about um, thinking that we have. I mean. I mean, they have a name for it. It's like that retail therapy, right? You go out and you buy something or you, uh, or if you have something, you have a problem. I think that's something that I've learned is, uh, it's not always going to be solved by something you can go get in a store and the convenience thing too. Like I used to sort of, we used to sort of boast to ourselves that we were five minutes to everything. And to your point, yes, we are still, uh, you know, 20 minutes, 25 minutes to, pretty much anything you'd need, but we're trying to get away from that. We're trying to get, you know, I think it's Joel Salatin. I think it was in You Can Farm when he said, stay on the farm. And there's a real, there practical reason. Like he's, the farm needs you first of all, but the other thing that occurred to me, and I don't know if he said this or if it just occurred to me later or what, but this is another huge, huge adjustment that we had to make is, um, you know, Every think about it. Every time you leave the farm, you're spending money, and um, sometimes it's necessary. But a lot of times it's, meh, you know, maybe I didn't need right. that thing. Maybe I could have just made do with what I had. And so that's been it's. We've almost made it a game to, you know, we've been taught, you know, maximize your income. Um, and I, I know I'm going on a tangent here, but I just want to get this out because I th- feel like yeah. this is important maximize your income, you know, and then you have a way of sort of growing into that. And we've tried to flip that around and just like, how can we 
minimize our expenses. And so then it puts less pressure on that need to make yes. that extra money. And then, and then maybe you can ditch that, you know, full-time thing that you hate and maybe just do something part-time and have more time to do those things that you want to do or do the things on, on the farm. Uh, so it's more of the approach of maybe, um, you know, maybe it's, it's multiple side gigs instead of the side gig just being a side gig, it's multiple side gigs or it's, mm -hmm. you know, um, and, and it's, I love the chickenisms and we, you probably discovered how true all those chickenisms are, but like putting all your eggs in one basket, you know, mm -hmm. um, yeah. I'll, I'll tell a quick story. Um, you know, I mentioned I worked in, uh, finance and accounting. So my last, um, this was a couple of years ago, uh, I guess February of last year, um, 2021, uh, we made plans for my wife to, um, to quit her job and because we homeschool and we had the homestead and, and, uh, it was just a lot to juggle. She worked from home, but still it was a lot to juggle. So we made plans, uh, for her to quit her job and it took a lot of adjustments um, to try to fit into that one income. And, um, and so she turned in her two week notice and we were all excited. It was, you know, we we're, um, you know, anticipating that and we were going to celebrate and, and I was at work and Laura was at the store. She was actually literally in the ice cream section, picking up ice cream. We were going to celebrate and she gets a text from me. I just got laid off. <laughs> that was my text to her. I got called to my boss's office same day that she worked her last day and I got laid off. Of. <laughs> so we went from two, you know, pretty decent incomes, um, to none in one day. Um, and once I got over the initial shock and feeling sorry for myself, I, I realized that that was, um, that was a blessing. Because it was something that um, I think, you know, it's like God knew, okay, you've been wanting to do something different for a while, and now it's time. You know, that kind of is what it felt like. It was that nudge. And so I never would have done that. I wouldn't have had the guts to do it. And uh, believe it or not, I actually, when my we made the plans for my wife to, to leave her job, I literally wrote up a resignation letter for my own job. I said, what if I just turn this in? What if we just both just started over, did something different? Let's just, and I, I probably had no intentions of actually turning it in, but I had it dated the same day. I, this is, you can't make this stuff up. Wow. It was dated yeah. the same day that I got called into my boss's office and got, got laid off. So, um, you know, I know that, that might sound hard to believe, but it absolutely happened that way. Um, and um, so we've we've had to get really creative, and um, and uh, so we can we could talk more about that. I'm I'm sorry, I'm all over the place, but it just no no, this is great. I, I yeah, I do want to hear about about that transition because that's like. You you tried to gently repel over a cliff and find your way down and found out that the <laughs> the, the cord wasn't attached to the top of the cliff and, and right. basically went into a free fall there and, and I'm curious, I mean, how did you how did you survive that? How did you make like 
How, how did that work? Well, it just shows that, you know, we can plan all we want, um, you know, and that's great. And I think we should plan. But, um, you know, it was, it was tough. So I, I had already um, decided, I, I worked half day Fridays. And I thought, you know, what if I got went out and got a, a nice mower, zero turn, something like that, and and picked out some up some, uh, you know, lawn jobs on the side. I could do that Friday afternoon, uh, maybe a little bit on Saturday, just to kind of help us transition to that one income. So, um, so I actually did that. Uh, my wife, she um, got into roasting coffee. Um, And, you know, just for us, and she kind of just did the stovetop popcorn, you know, the old whirly pop um, style popcorn thing. And uh, a lot of people start on that or like a cast iron skillet. So she just roasted coffee for us and and we, you know, got really good feedback from friends and neighbors. And we thought, what if we just made this a little more of a thing? And again, this is before we knew about my job. So um, we decided, you know, that we're just going to have these little uh, side hustles. And uh, just kind of help us transition to one income. So I think it just became a shift once we, you know, realized I was losing my job. I did get some severance. So that did help sort of, you know, give us a little cushion and ease into into that, the self-employment thing. Um, but it just, it was just taking those things and turning up the knob a little bit. So I started going out old school, like literally door to door hanging flyers, uh, for, you know, lawn mowing and, uh, you know, hundreds, hundreds of those things and, and started getting calls and then it quickly becomes more than you really want and that kind of thing. But, um, so yeah, that became, I mean, I wouldn't call it full time, uh, but definitely pretty solid part time thing. And then, uh, with the coffee roasting, uh, we, we upgraded, uh, my wife's roaster, got a nice, air roaster and went to our local, there was a small town, um, that we, uh, consider our sort of adopted small or hometown now. And she went there to the farmer's market. There wasn't a coffee vendor or anything like that. So she went there, um, with her samples and, and that has just really been a blessing and taken off. But those, t- to answer your question, those, little side hustle things just we just turned up the knobs on those um and tried to make them you know uh bigger things um and, and then I'll be quite honest with you uh we did have to rely on some savings uh that mm-hmm. savings and you know we're all told you know and I know this goes against you know a lot of the advice that we get and people probably hear this and say oh what a fool but you know we tapped into that savings um and it became seed money is how I look at it. Seed money for these new ventures. Um, so it, it was maybe not something your financial advisor would uh, recommend, but we thought, what, you know, what the heck? Let's just, let's take this and let's, you know, put it into these um, little upstart businesses and try to try to grow them and see what happens. So it's been a huge challenge. Uh, probably, probably the biggest challenges, uh, of, of our lives, but I'm a firm believer that if, if 
you know, if those things line up with your, you know, your skill set and just your desire to do something, um, that, that God will take care of the rest, you know? And so, um, or at least we can maybe learn to be flexible enough that, you know, it may not be exactly what we thought, but then there's something else there, you know? So I think it's just being very flexible too. And, and it's a control thing. And that's the other point I would make is I think that um, I think we're all a bit tend to be a little bit kind of control freaks. We want to kind of know I want to be able to see A to Z and before I take a step to B. And I've had to become more and more comfortable. And this has been, uh, again, something I've really struggled with is maybe I can only see to C, but I'm going to go ahead and take that step to B. Um. And, and again, huge, huge adjustment for me. Yeah, no, I can, that's, that's, uh, I can relate certainly where we're at right now. And, and just, yeah, like, um, I was reading, I got this daily devotional and it's, it's pretty good. It's got a few, few bits of scripture and then the writing is, you know, it's a typical devotional. It's great. And today's was something along the lines of, you know, God didn't make, us to understand the future. He made us to be in close communion with him. And that's, that's kind of, I mean, it sounds very similar to, you know, I'm going through that right now of trying to, trying to make things work, trying to understand, you know, and a lot of my questions or even feelings of security are based on trying to perceive the future. And, and it's kind of like, Hey, you know what? You guys were forced, even though you wanted it, you were really forced to just, like you got thrown in the water and now let's, let's see you swim, you know? Um, and, uh, sounds like you've, you've been blessed, but you've, you know, you've had to fight your way through it for sure. Well, you know, like. and the thing is, is I, the truth is I could have gone out and gotten a similar job. You know, I don't want to make this sound like I'm, I, I think we all tend to have that a bit of a, the victimhood of things that happen to us. And, you know, um, that's kind of, unfortunately kind of a natural thing for us. And, and that was for me, you know, I'm feeling, like I said, I went through a little bit of a, uh, you know, and, and not long. I mean, honestly, there was a time where that would have really, really knocked me down. Um, but, but it, it, you know, didn't take long before I realized like, this is, this is a blessing. This is an opportunity. And so, um, so again, and I've thought about it since then, you know, should I go out and try to find, I am, I'm kind of past that point now. Um, you know, and I, and I may have to, um, we'll, we'll see how it goes with the, uh, the coffee business and the farming. Um, I guess I didn't mention, but you know, our, our, our goal with the farming was primarily we wanted to feed our family. Um, and then what, kind of I came up with was let's raise enough more that the sale from that will offset our costs. And I think a lot of people Mm kind of look at it that way that if you're going to raise, you know, two hogs or, you know, you don't want to raise just one of anything, but, you know, raise two, then really four is really not any harder than two. A little bit more input there and everything. But anyway, that was kind of our um, approach was we raise, enough extra and I crunched the numbers on that, um, to 
to offset our costs. So we've got meat in our freezer or, you know, for essentially for free minus our, our labor. Um, but, you know, that was kind of our approach. So, you know, that really cut down on our reliance on, you know, grocery stores. We tried to support other farmers and that's a great thing, but we really wanted to get into producing our own. Um, but anyway, so that, that, again, it's back to that game of reducing the, those expenses. You know, you don't have yeah. to, it doesn't have to all be U.S. dollars handed over for something else. I mean, you can, you know, raise your own or get into like maybe Joe down the street raises this, I raise this and we can do this little, um, trade thing. But, um, anyway, yeah, it was, it was definitely a huge, huge transition. Um, and I'm not going to say it was, has been without its, uh, moments of just that sinking feeling of, do I need to, do I need to go get, get a job and and again the mowing thing fills in some gaps and the coffee roasting is is really just steadily growing um and you know it's just a different way of looking at it it's not all it's not this sort of i was i had always kind of struggled with this um just this narrow thing that that we've been put into with um uh, I don't know that I liked anything when it came to college and, and all of that is like, it wasn't that were, there, that I couldn't find something I was interested in. It's that I don't know that there was anything I was so interested in that I wanted to do it, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours a day, every day for 45 years yeah. <laughs> or whatever. I can totally, you know, yeah. and, and that, that was the pressure of it for me. I mean, I started out in college as an art major and ended up in finance of all things, how in the world, you know? Right. Um, but, uh, that's what I love about this is, um, you know, we, we've kind of been, We've kind of been, um, again, I don't want this to be a, a trigger thing, but we've sort of been sold this package deal, this all-inclusive, you know, resort kind of a thing. And, you know, I don't know. Like, I think it was that moment where it's like, you know, this is, just isn't isn't working, you know. Um, so, um just thinking outside of that box. Again, thinking outside of the, these human constructs. Um, I, I had a friend that recently, you know, was talking about just how good that God is and, and how, you know, the, the old analogy of when God closes the door, or when the doors close, God opens a window or another door opens something like that. And I love the way he put the, he has a permaculture background. So of course, you know, he, he's just a, a brilliant, brilliant guy. I love the way he thinks and he's taught me so much, but, um, he's like, Greg, I'm just trying to just get rid of the walls. Like forget, you know, a door opening up, like there are no walls, uh, you know, and, and I'm, I'm trying to, and he wasn't saying I'm doing this, but he's saying, that's the way I'm thinking is we put up these walls. We don't have to, it's not even about finding those doors or windows. It's like, it's wide open. And I love the way he put that. It just kind of blew my mind when I thought, you know, he's right. Like, you know, I'm just trying to knock down walls. And again, not 
thumbing my suspenders saying that's what I'm doing, but that's what I'm striving for. That's what, yeah. you know, um, and, and so that was something I wanted to pass along that he kind of helped me, you know, think outside of the box. And I know that's a very yeah. kind of cliche thing to say, but. I mean, and like I said before, I, I really think that's so much of what this, this movement is about, what this, um, you know, this desire to, to do things differently. I mean, most of us were raised with these very clearly defined and, and, and in a lot of ways, you know, for good reason. Yeah. I mean, but, um, you, like you said, that all inclusive resort, it's a, it's a contract. You know, we play our part within this greater system. We specialize in our part. Other people specialize in theirs. We get our little trading chits. We give those out for all other specialists and, uh, it's one big happy family, but, um, Hey, if that works for you, great. Yeah. If not, you know, um, uh, yeah, I like that though. Knock down the walls. Um, well, I think a lot of it too is just a responsibility thing, you know, and, and I'm coming from like, again, my dad was not a, uh, really a do it yourself kind of guy. I mean, we lived, you know, he, he wasn't an outdoorsy guy, anything like that. And so there wasn't a lot of that that just got passed along as far as, you know, how to fix things, how to, you know, um, so a lot of that is I've, I've had to, and, and that's the beauty of like YouTube, that type of thing. Um, you know, it's kind of a complicated, uh, relationship I have with, with technology, but I can't, I mean, we literally would not be doing this without things like, uh, you know, YouTube and, um, you know, but it's just a responsibility thing. And in a way, it's not fair really to think of any of these systems as just, we tend to complain a lot because things go wrong. Um, you know, and, and something goes wrong, you, you make a phone call and then a guy comes out and you write a check. And again, like sometimes I, and I still have to rely on those, those services a lot, but a lot of it's just kind of learning how to do more, um, you know, uh, yourself and, and just the responsibility of, you know, and I know the naysayers will say, well, you can't, you can't feed the world this way. And I, I actually disagree. <laughs> you drive around, drive 30 minutes in any direction and see all of this land that is not being used. Um, or it's just, you know, millions of acres of soy, uh, soybean or, or, you know, mm -hmm. corn, whatever. Um, you know, I don't know how that works. I don't have a solution for how that works, getting it back into those small, small holdings and this kind of small decentralized systems. But you can't say that, you know, I, I know it's far fetched maybe, but it's not like it can't be done. Um, it, it's, you know, we, we choose to participate in these things. Like you said, it may be for, you know, these public systems may be, um, good intentioned. I mean, that, that let us take care of it. You just sit back, you go to your job, you, you know, everything's, um, but you know, you see what happens. I mean, we saw what happens when those things break down, when those things get overloaded, you know, it kind of all heck breaks loose. And so it's really putting less, 
it's, I don't know. That's what it is for me is just that responsibility. Um, and we don't just look to just, we're not just this isolated trying to just feed ourselves and don't worry about anybody else. I mean, we feed other families, lots of other families. Um, we have people coming out on Monday, we're doing some chicken processing and several families coming out to either help or just pick up their chicken. And I love that. Um, even if you can't do it yourself now to support something like that, I think is a part of homesteading. If you're not even Absolutely. doing it yourself, but you're participating in it, you're supporting that. Like back to the CSA model before when we couldn't do it, we supported someone who could. Yeah, so. I agree 100%. And not everybody's going to have the the space or the capability to do X, Y, or Z when it comes to food production. But certainly, you know, it it it's kind of uh, two sides. On one hand, there has to be more local production. On the other hand, there has to be more consumer connection to that production. And and you know, I don't have the I don't have the answers to that. But I know that um, that's a big part of what we're that we're trying to do. I mean, we're starting right now with how do we produce as much food for ourselves, but you know, we want to next year really take that to the next level. So, um, yeah, I, I, it can't hurt anything. That's for sure. Well, the, the bit of advice I'll just throw in really quick is, um, you know, I think that variety is a good thing. I mean, like they say, variety is the spice of life and I like eating different things and all that, but it's kind of the, you know, they say store what you eat, eat what you store. Um, you know, that's kind of a, a thing we hear. And I would say the same thing about, um, you know, raising what you eat and eat what you raise. And, and But really, like, think about that as far as what you need to kind of sustain yourself. I mean, I love a handful of berries in the summertime or, you know, an apple off the tree and, you know, when, when they're harvested and that type of thing. And we are trying to, I mean, we, we do also garden and, uh, I would say eating seasonal local, um, you know, definitely. And there are real practical reasons for that. But, um, also like look at, even though we're kind of, I mean, we've been a little bit spoiled with grocery stores, having everything at our fingertips, but you know, again, it's back to what I was saying before you know, stop for it, like pump the brakes for a minute and say, okay, this is great. Like I love having all this stuff, but I don't need to be pounding strawberries year round. You know, I don't need asparagus flown in from Argentina and that's on my plate in January in Missouri. Um, you know, that's, uh, and I'm borrowing that someone said that and I, you know, I'm just regurgitating it. But, um, I guess what I'm saying is, don't think that you have to raise that whole list of groceries that you, you know, used to get at the grocery store. Don't let it overwhelm you that it has to be all of this stuff. And, you know, canning is great and, and, uh, dehydrating all of those methods of kind of preserving. And we're not really where I want to be. Uh, you know, I would love to be able to kind of just harvest when you need it. Um, you know, rather than, relying on so much of the freezer space and all of that, cause that gets tricky, but, um, but really dissect kind of, okay, what, what do we really need, uh, nutrition wise, you know, um, these are great things to have for treats, but you can't, again, you can't sustain yourself on, on apples. 
you know, right. <laughs> you're not going to make it very far. But anyway, that's kind of back to a little bit of the way we eat. And so that's just something I'd pass along to is just, you know, simple is good. Simple is okay. Simple is not easy, but mm. it doesn't have to be a long list of things. Right. Um, you know, so really start with what is the most important and, you know, whatever those three or four things are, you know, focus on those things first. It doesn't yeah. have to be, you know, a long list of things. So yeah, get really good at that. See what works where you're at. Yep. Start developing a surplus. Maybe you can trade for some of the things that, that, uh, are secondary, but you'd like to have. Yeah. I like that. Um, so you, you had mentioned one of the, one of the sprouting enterprises off of your, your property there is a coffee, coffee roasting business. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. Um, and that is, uh, my lovely wife, Laura. I mean, she's definitely the uh, talent behind that operation. I, I do a lot of the administrative stuff and people might be wondering, you know, what, what is this? What does this guy do all day? He doesn't have a job. And it's actually, there's a lot to it. Uh, you know, you are again, back to the wearing all the hats, you know, with entrepreneurship. I mean, you really are. And I can draw on that background of, of, you know, accounting and all that now. So it's coming in handy. But anyway, uh, Shepherd's Crip Coffee is what we're called. Um, and that is a, a little shout out to, uh, the good shepherd. And of course, and, and, um, and we have, have a small flock of sheep that, that, um, we enjoy. And so that was just kind of a name we came up with. Um, and our logo, you know, is a little, uh, coffee bean with a little crook, a shepherd's crook kind of in the middle, um, you know, the chaff part of the bean. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, started off just a little like farmer's market. Um, we do, she, imp, uh, get works with a couple importers, and gets in the the beans, the unroasted you know, green beans, and uh, she's got a, a great air roaster that she does, uh, she loves, and it's micro batch. We try to only source organic because uh, any, I mean, a lot of people probably realize that coffee is actually one of the high, most heavily sprayed crops. Uh, so you know that's something we try to do is you know only fair trade or direct trade organic. Uh, beans. So she, she roasts that all on, on our homestead. Uh, it's kind of taken over our garage and everything. It's, we've had to get really (laughs) creative with, with storage and, and just her setup and everything. Um, but she roasts it all here. Um, that's the one thing she won't let me touch. And I love that she is, you know, uh, once that, you know, um, that control of it and, uh, anyway, so we, we bag it all here. We do uh, a lot of local meetups or, you know, uh, pickups. We have a lot of people that actually come pick up, you know, on the farm um, if they're local. And we offer a free cup of coffee if you do that, you know, cold brew or, or the hot stuff. Um, we also do uh, shipping. And we've actually, I think it's like 35 states now that we've... Uh, We've had our coffee in, and so that's exciting. Um, just you know, in a little over a year that that's happened, and that's thanks uh, uh, to our website. But honestly, it's been a lot of it's just been word of mouth from that little farmers market to a couple of the events. You know, we 
we met at the Ozarks Homesteading Expo and uh, you and I. And uh, so we've done a couple of uh, events. We've tried not to do too much of that because it takes us away again. Um, and it's hard to do that and it's exhausting and everything. Um, but we love it. Anyway, so yeah, a lot, we have a website um, that has been great for us. We launched October of last year, and it's just been awesome. Um, and that's uh, shepherdscriptcoffee.com. Um, and then we do Instagram and Facebook and just kind of try to post on there daily or so. And um, yeah, it's just been it's been a huge blessing. And again, it just started off as a little, hey, you know, how do we make a little money just to kind of help us transition that one income? Little did we know that it would become kind of a full-time thing. That's great. Uh, Definitely keeps us hopping for sure. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I I can attest to the, to to the uh, coffee being good. I had a good cold brew and I was out at the expo. That's when we met. Um, So folks can go to shepherd's crook, coffee.com and that's where they can order coffee to have shipped out absolutely yeah awesome and uh, we do flat rate shipping and um subscription plans um we've got a sampler pack that's good if you're just wanting to kind of try a couple things um it's great for gifts too so um yeah and then we're actually now doing and this is kind of catering a little bit to um the homesteader which i know a lot of uh you guys you know might roast your own coffee but if you don't um, we've had several people inquire about getting coffee in bulk. So we now do that. Uh, we have a five pound minimum, but you can get, um, roasted coffee. Um, obviously there, you know, you don't want to have so much that it's not, you know, fresh, right. but, um, right. it's a good option if you have a, a large household, uh, or maybe you, you host, you know, groups of people or friends, that kind of thing. So it's a good option there, but, yeah, it's um, very cool. It's been very awesome. cool. And and then your farm's called True North Farm. How do folks, if they want to kind of watch watch the development and see your story, how do they connect with you there? Yeah, we. Um, I would love to get more into putting more content out there. Right now, it's just Instagram and Facebook at uh, True North Farm, and uh, that's T R U no no E. So T R U N O R T H Farm. True North Farm, um, Instagram and Facebook. And that's, I think we have a couple YouTube videos out there. Really, I'd like to kind of do more with that. But um, as you know, it's it's time consuming, the, the yeah. content creation. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, okay, well, I will put um, links to the coffee website and all your socials as well in the show notes so folks can just check it out. I recommend following them and ordering some coffee for sure. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing, I mean, you guys have done so much in three years. I'm looking forward to seeing where things go. Uh, it seems like you're on the right track and definitely, uh, hope to be somewhere close to where you guys are at in a couple of years. So thanks oh, for being will a be. good, great I, example. I, I appreciate what you're doing. I think what you're doing is so important. Um, you know, especially now. So, uh, I admire it and, um, I'm a big fan of the show. So thanks awesome. for having me. Well, I certainly appreciate that. Well, I think that'll about do it for this one. I think we, we could have gotten into so much more as well, so maybe we'll have to revisit this again down the road. But um, I really appreciate it, Greg. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you, Jason.
Well, there you have it, folks. My conversation with Greg Sweeten of True North Farm and Shepherd's Crook Coffee. Uh, I really, really had fun talking with him. Uh, took a lot of great, just kind of inspiring moments from that from that talk. Um, definitely affirming to our decision. We're kind of in the early stages of our homestead and going through some of the the challenges of making the adjustments uh, just to the way of life and and financially and things like that and and hearing you know how they got through some of their challenges early on is certainly uh, an inspiration for me and and just kind of uh, strengthens my resolve and and hopefully uh, hopefully you you took something away from the conversation as well definitely great to to talk with Greg and um, looking forward to, to talking to him again. Um, so do me a favor if you're a coffee drinker and uh, you're looking for some good fresh roasted coffee, uh, go over to shepherdscrookcoffee.com and, and pick up a bag. It would mean a lot to me to, to support their business. And uh, um, I can definitely tell you they, they do great work over there and they've got some fantastic coffee. You're not going to find anything better as far as sourcing goes. It's all organic and fair trade. So it's, um, uh, it's definitely, definitely high level stuff. Um, I will put a link to, to their coffee business as well as, uh, everything they've got going on with the socials in the show notes. Um, and as always, you know, subscribe so you, you don't miss a podcast episode that comes up and appreciate, uh, the, the, the ratings and reviews. And the biggest way you can probably help me right now is just to share the podcast with anyone you think may benefit from the discussions that we're having here. And, um, yeah, I just appreciate everyone listening and being here with me this week. And, um, got a great conversation coming up in a couple weeks that you're not going to to want to miss. So I look forward to seeing you then. And until then, this is Jason signing off, reminding you to do something today to improve your tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Plans and Provisions podcast. If you would like to stay up to date with everything happening around the homestead, head on over to the website at plansandprovisions.com. 